0: welcome to everything life coaching i'm john kim
1: and i'm noelle cordeau we are the founders of journey coaching
0: we're super passionate about all things coaching and want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training over a thousand life coaches
1: dive deep into a more meaningful career find freedom and make an impact on the world around you
0: On today's episode, Noelle and I are going to tackle one of the most common questions and also one of the most important questions when it comes to coaching, and that is what coaching is and what coaching is not. Noelle. Hello. How are you? Good morning.
1: I'm well. I'm really excited about this topic um, for a couple different reasons, but most of all, it was so fun to prepare that Mm. I'm just, I'm really excited about it.
0: Well, in preparation, you probably got reminded, you probably learned a few things that are new and different, gave you a new perspective, and hence the excitement.
1: Yes, yes. And where that came from is, you know, the same old stuff. When we hear, you know, what is coaching and what it is not, it's usually comparative to other disciplines. Right. That coaching is not therapy, it's not mentoring, and it's not consulting. And even when you get into the actionable skill sets for coaching to the unpracticed eye or for someone who might be starting out in this field or who wants to bring coaching into where they work or into their relationships, it's really hard to differentiate what exactly you need to do both internally and externally to show up as a coach. And so that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: Yeah. And I find that this topic brings up emotion, Uh, usually frustration and anger in people, (laughs) because I think a lot of people think they know what coaching is. And then when they realize that may not be it, there's this kind of falling off a cliff, uh, you know, expectations not met, uh, disappointment, frustration, all of that. So it's an important topic.
1: It is. And I was just having a conversation earlier today, and we were talking about the way that this shows up in large organizations. And, you know, I think the number one thing that um, people mistake this for when they're in um, coworker or employer-employee relationships is that Giving someone direct feedback is not coaching.
0: Right. Direct feedback, advice, how things should be, what you need to do, all that stuff. Right.
1: So let's get into it. One of the most common things, and so, you know, really taking this into the workplace or into your home life is what coaching is, is helping everyone around you. Build enthusiasm and motivation.
0: Mm, yeah. And and the and the word motivation is a little tricky. Um, I I like I love the word hope. I love the word um, the phrase injecting hope, which then creates motivation, of course.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, let's look at what the opposite of that is or what some common behaviors are that folks might use to try to band-aid that situation. And the way it shows up is you know, monitoring other people in whatever way, Um, whether it's your partner or whether you're at work or whether it's even your friend group. It's looking over somebody's shoulder, looking at somebody else's behavior and saying, you're doing it wrong.
0: Right, right. Um, It's also uh, posturing, right? Because with that comes this kind of offset that you, um, that you know that you're better, you know, that you're wiser, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I think that folks feel like they have kind of a responsibility to do that, or it comes from a place of care and concern. I see this happen, obviously at work it happens because folks feel compelled to micromanage when they get tense or lose trust or are afraid that something's not going well. But I see it show up in family systems too, where Parents micromanage kids and don't give them, you know, the opportunity to discover for themselves. Or, you know, even in intimate relationships, where you know one partner might be struggling with something and the other one starts hovering.
0: Right, right. Um, Yeah, I see that. uh, Yeah, absolutely. With um, my clients in relationships, feeling controlled, even if it's subtle, um, feeling claustrophobic. uh, You know, this just not feeling free.
1: And then, you know, the space that I think deserves a ton of attention um, that falls under chosen family is really close-knit friend groups Mm -hmm. where the friend group will decide, you know, oh, so-and-so sucks at dating or, you know, so-and-so always does this. And the friend group will actually try to micromanage the behavior of one of the members.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And usually it's coming from their own uh, anxiety.
1: <laughs> their own anxiety or intention to genuinely help that person. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about what we do here and, and how we actually use the coaching skill to build enthusiasm and motivation. And it's, it might be a little bit surprising to you because it has nothing to do with the other person. It's really internal in in order to avoid looking over somebody else's shoulder you actually have to start building internal muscle to stay in your own container and to occupy a space of non-judgment and step 1 of developing motivating enthusiasm and infusing hope as a practice is to first put your own oxygen mask on and get used to letting others step up to the plate in their own way without attachment to outcome.
0: You know what this reminds me of? You know, when you're growing up, and um you're getting a lot of uh finger pointing and what you need to do and you need to get a's all stuff from parents obviously and also maybe from teachers but there's that one person maybe it's your crazy uncle um you know that that one uh, uh adult that treats you like an adult or allows you to be you instead of telling you what to do and that person really stands out because everyone else is telling you what to do when you're when you're growing up as a kid um and that person ends up being like your favorite person. So whether it's like oh, your, yeah. your baseball coach or your uncle or, or your, you know, your, your homeroom teacher, or whoever. Um, and, and, and what's amazing is that person's kind of hands off, let me support your journey, champion your story and, and kind of hold the space. That's what's so powerful when everyone else is telling you what to do. And this reminds me of that.
1: Who was that for you?
0: Um, I had a few, but it was uh, a, a crazy uncle. <laughs> um, who uh, let me uh, be me and, 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 and you know, um, say a little bit past the curfew and do some things. And, um, and, and maybe some things he shouldn't have let me do. But, but it was that, that person um, that made me realize, oh, like, you know, I can just be myself and it's okay.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It was actually an uncle for me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It was my uncle Charlie, and Mm -hmm. he he was a bachelor. And when I went to go visit him, he had, you know, no preconceived notion of what a kid was or what you were supposed to do with a kid. Right, right. (laughs) And so he let me flip through his Grateful Dead records. Mm-hmm. I played with the lizards. Yep. There was a farm next door. There were kittens. And right. I just got to run around. And um, those are some of my fondest memories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, as a coach, um, you can be that person. You could be uh Charlie. Yeah.
1: Say Char- yeah, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. <laughs> and so and 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 you know, and just circling back around to the, the muscle that we need to build is Is that fear monster that says, "Oh no, you know, we we shouldn't let a little girl um, flip through Grateful Dead records, play with lizards, and run around a farm by herself. Something bad could happen, right?" Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instead, it was leaning into freedom and saying, "You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, (laughs) this is a contained environment. Um, All right, so you know, keeping keeping on with that trend." One of the things that coaching is truly all about is is being and showing up as real and authentic.
0: Yeah, I mean that's it begins there because that's mm-hmm. the only way you build trust. Uh, and and you know teenagers can can smell um, inauthentic or fakeness. I think more than anyone, I work with teenagers for like five years. They'll call you out on your bullshit. And if you are being um, not you, you don't get any traction. You don't get buy in.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you alluded to this earlier, but what folks usually do and what the tell is and what the behavior that we're trying to correct is with coaching is when folks hide behind a perceived or real position of power Mm
0: -hmm. and bring
1: in that pseudo self and that posturing that you were talking about.
0: Yeah. And I think that uh, is not sustainable because eventually – you will be called out. <laughs> Eventually you will fall on your face. Eventually you will realize that uh, you don't have all the answers, you know?
1: Yeah. But no one does. So n- no one does. And so, you know, let's talk about how we build this muscle from a coaching perspective. And it's again, allowing for our own and for others autonomy, but it's a little bit more nuanced. So in our one of our previous podcast we talked about the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. Intrinsic motivation is what comes from inside of you. It's attached to your your natural value set. Extrinsic motivation is the list of shoulds that the outside world imposes. And what ends up happening is that when we allow ourselves and others to pull from those internal value systems that flow off authentically from us, we'll just naturally align with people that share our values and everything goes better. When we try to force things based on outside approval or fakeness, that's when we get into trouble because it's it's really hard to sustain. Everything feels icky. And oftentimes the people who are in the positions of power or perceive themselves and to be in the positions of power don't like the way that it feels either. Did you ever have anybody in your life um, from a coaching perspective who just really let you kind of be you based on shared values?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I would say um, you could feel it the most in friendships, um, mm. at least for me. I've, I've been in friendships where they were possessive um very judgmental if i bought the wrong car uh, they would criticize if i wore the wrong shoe you know that kind of that kind of thing and then um i've also been in friendships where uh they encourage the you know the the spaz in me the loud you know the loud korean kid who was always told to calm down um adventure all of that so like uh it completely uh affects you in your life and and your quality of life is uh the the friends who are competitive and and kind of like push you down. And the other friends that support you and champion your story, it's like day and night.
1: That's awesome. And you know what I love about our conversation today is that we're really talking about the importance of friendships. I think friendships are one of the different kinds of relationships that don't get enough of the spotlight.
0: Yeah, yeah, because we're all, I mean, you know, when we think of relationships, we either think of what family and intimate. And work. And work, yeah, of course
1: yeah and so you know friendships are are the people that ride alongside of us that light us up and um you know so much of how we can learn uh how to show up as coaches Can take place in our friendships because it's a really safe territory to try to start exploring and trying on these types of behaviors and to become aware of when you might be reaching out to try to control or hide behind some sort of external validation.
0: Yeah. And the friends that um, do hold space naturally, they're just good at it and they're great listeners and they champion your story, even if it goes uh, against their own, you know, truth. Those are the people that actually (laughs) turn out to be amazing coaches. Those are the people you're like, oh, you're so close to just being a great coach. Just start getting paid for this.
1: Yes, yes. And honestly, that's how most people end up in our program.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've sent many people who they're just really good friends. And I'm like, you could do more. I'm telling you. And then, you know, then they explore coaching.
1: Yeah, yeah. So another one that we have to talk about because it's huge is – what coaching is, is allowing for mistakes.
0: Yeah. This is what makes coaching, um, a human experience and also sustainable. If you think that coaching equals uh, perfect sessions where people have, you know, life-changing revelations in every session and, and all of that, um, you're setting yourself up for, uh, uh, for failure because it's that pressure is just, no one can handle that. You know, no one, no one is, no one's God.
1: (laughs) No, no one is God. And, and as coaches, we facilitate the change process and inherently, um, in any process of change where you're moving forward, things are going to go backwards from time to time.
0: Right. Right.
1: There are going to be obstacles. Things are going to go wrong. People are are human. They're not going to get it right all of the time. And, And that, data is what allows us to pull it forward into the future in order to do better. We actually need the mistakes in order to grow.
0: Yeah. And this is why I love calling coaching a craft because, um, when you, when I think of craft, I think of art, I like the word perfectionism. It it doesn't penetrate through when you think about like a craft, a discipline, um, you know, an art, um, if you think of coaching as kind of like this, um, uh, this program or this kind of, if you, if you you stay away from it being a craft, then it's easier to, um, want to be perfect or want, want to judge yourself by results, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that punishing for mistakes is part of the culture that many of us were raised with, and that's part of the culture where many of us work, and that's part of the dynamic of many friendships and many relationships. And it's actually incredibly harmful.
0: Yeah, uh, and also you're going to be uh, the 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 hardest critic on yourself. So um, when, when you are punishing for mistakes, it's just it's a dangerous process. And chances are, what you think is a mistake, maybe it wasn't even to the client. You know.
1: Very much so. And yeah. and this, you know, punishing for mistakes is, is really where we take coaching out into the world, outside of the one-on-one client relationship and where we begin to critically evaluate how we show up as parents, as partners, as friends in all of the different spheres of life. Um, when we punish ourselves or others, we get stuck in a shame spiral yeah. and nothing can go forward.
0: Yeah, and also um, it goes from something you're doing to now something you are, and that's what's dangerous, right?
1: Yes. So of everything that we're talking about, and this is going to be a series, what coaching is and is not, because there's so much good stuff here. um, I believe that if you are interested in coaching, if you're interested in implementing a coaching culture in your home, your workplace, or in your relationships and your friendships, this is the number one thing you can do to implement it, is to stop punishing for mistakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: So let's talk about what this requires. And it requires conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> and honesty and transparency and really talking about, okay, what went wrong? What did we think was going to happen? What did happen? And, and what did we learn? so that we can avoid this pitfall the next time.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I hear you saying is it requires a growth mindset instead of a fixed one
1: yes 100% and then also a sidecar of awareness that we live in a puritanical and legalistic society that loves to punish people yeah, yeah. and so if you have this like little itching burning desire to do this stuff it's because that's how you were socialized it didn't happen overnight you know you're not a unicorn you're a human who lives in a constructed society and so you're just responding and reacting to the dominant culture and that's what we're here to Change,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, if you're thinking about this um, from a, a one-on-one session perspective, too, you know, sometimes this shows up with our clients. So, um, I just had a client who last time we had a session, she said, "All right, you know, I'm going to break up with my boyfriend." We we planned it all out, mm-hmm. and she didn't do it. She didn't break up with her boyfriend. Now, to be clear, I don't care. I just want my client to be happy. It is her life. Mm. And, you know, I really, like, this is nothing to do with me. I'm I'm a conduit. I'm a facilitator for her goals. But because of this punishing, getting in trouble mindset, she was so spun out before our session that she was texting me, I just want you to know I didn't break up with him and right, all of right. the reasons why. And I was like, oh, God, you think you're going to get in trouble. trouble
0: yeah. She thinks she's going to the principal's office.
1: hmm Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, life is hard enough. And one of the things that we can all benefit from is the understanding that natural consequences are a thing. And you don't have to impose consequences on anyone. You just make life harder that way. Natural consequences suck enough.
0: Yeah, this also happens in, in fitness coaching where if you don't, you know, uh, if you end up doing a cheat meal or you don't lose the pounds that you, you guys planned on or you missed a workout, you're afraid to, to face your personal trainer because you don't want to disappoint him or her. And also you feel that you have failed and now you're punishing yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a really great way to sniff out potentially abusive relationships on any front is somebody who um who takes a punishing stance.
0: Yeah, absolutely, great point.
1: Yeah, so our last one, which is really important, is one of the big things that coaching is is making constructive use of differences.
0: Mm. I, I what is I that. Lo- yeah, I was trying to think that's abstract.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Um and I you know, I think um a a great way to to kind of illustrate this is you know, differences exist in in so many different spheres. Um when I was when this concept really crystallized for me, it was reading a book on leadership and taking a look at what folks um across history who have been really great leaders do well. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they listen to as many different perspectives from smart people as they can find on a single topic. And they want to hear all of the different perspectives Mm. in order to determine for themselves what might be the best or maybe a combination of different perspectives.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. this reminds me of, I wrote a blog post once, um, and I'm actually, I'm going to use it, uh, in my new book and it's called, um, finding beauty in the contrast. Ooh, It reminds me of this it's, uh, in relationships, uh, and I'm guilty of this, um, seeing differences as negative and bad, and there's the gap. And, you know, that's going to, that means we shouldn't be together because we're so different. Uh, And I've learned over the years that uh, you got to focus on um, seeing beauty in the differences, you know, Um, and even like, even globally, like if everyone uh, made an effort to find beauty in the contrast, you know, whether it's our skin color or gender or whatever, like the, the world just would be so much, so much kinder, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, interestingly, when we look at one of the factors that enables us to attach to post-traumatic growth, it's exactly as you described, being able to look at difference and feel that I'm part of humanity as a whole and that everyone's different and how beautiful versus if someone's different than me, then um, there's necessarily going to be conflict.
0: Right. It it makes me um, think about someone who's narrow and someone who's wide. And so if, yes. you're, if you're a coach who is um, lined with judgment and you don't have the ability to um, make constructive use of differences, if you don't have the ability to find beauty in the contrast, then um, you're, not, you're, you're narrow. You're not going to uh, be as potent or as impactful as you could be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then let's bring this way down to the street level and to the human level because we all have a natural instinct to squash conflict
0: yeah absolutely it's
1: true nobody likes it because our pain centers get lit up and when somebody feels that somebody's presenting an option that's different than what they think and feel um whammo that the five million years of evolutionary conditioning leads us to believe that if somebody's telling me i'm wrong it might equal death
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, right. Right.
1: Ultimately. And, and that's the, that's why that evolutionary trait in those hormones and and neuroreceptors are so powerful is because in the human brain wrong equals death. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've, I mean, sometimes that's true, um, for humans, you know, wrong could equal death a hundred percent, but really in everyday life, um, when your partner plays, why did you do it that way? Game with you, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know,
0: right, <laughs> like right.
1: death is typically not imminent, but nonetheless, you know, why did you load the dishwasher that way? Um, all of a sudden pain centers get lit up and you yep. have the need to control, to squash conflict. Um, and, and that's really counterintuitive and counterproductive to a harmonious existence.
0: Coaches are curious. Coaches are not judgmental. Yes,
1: yes, yes, and then the other piece of this is that if we allow ourselves to, as you described, find beauty in differences, we can learn so much.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, well, and that's 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 what allows us to learn because now we're stretching, we're curious, we're wide, we're not um, we're not closing doors, you know.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, whether you're at home or at work, um, approaching conflict from a perspective of, ooh, I, I feel pain here. That's an evolutionary trait that I'm fully capable of overcoming through activating my neocortex. Let me see what I can learn. And again, that's Noel speak. So, you know, not everybody's <laughs> brain runs that way, but mine does. And it works from time to time. Yes. Um And it's, it's a super valuable muscle to build of being able to recognize that pain point and, and say, what can I learn here?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, if you guys have enjoyed this conversation, we're going to continue. Um, This is going to be a series. So uh, look out for part two, as we continue to talk about what coaching is and what coaching is not.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it.
0: All right. Thank you. Be well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to journey.co slash everything to explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a strong community to do it in. We created Journey Coaching to equip you with the tools, training, and community you need to attain your goals.
1: Join journey coaching and begin your journey towards personal freedom and a transformative state of growth today. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything.